Um, we'll be reading from Psalm 8 today, uh, verses 1 to 9. So I'll just give you guys a moment to look for that. Okay. Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea. All that swim the paths of the seas, Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thanks be to God. Fantastic. Well, uh, great to be with you all. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Dom. Uh, excited to bring uh, God's Word to us uh, this morning. I wonder if you've heard uh, this saying, the simple isn't always easy. Yeah, the simple isn't always easy. I wonder what comes to mind for you when you think about that. The simple isn't always easy. Why don't you just turn to the person around, turn to the people around you, say hi, because you haven't had a chance to say hi yet. Uh, say hi to each other. And why don't you come up with a few things that kind of fit this saying? What are some things that are simple, but isn't necessarily easy? Go for it. I'll put you back in a moment. All right, might pull you back. What did some people come up with? What are some things that are simple but not necessarily easy? Let's hear from you. Cooking. Is that true? Cooking? Are people nodding? Cooking? Yeah, I see a lot of people nodding. Simple to do? I guess it depends what you're cooking, right? Uh, uh, but not necessarily easy. Okay, what else? Yeah, Amelia's pointing to Erica. Hi. What? Apologizing, saying sorry. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a very good one. Easy to do. No, simple to do, but not easy to do. What else? Oh, more finger pointing. Natalie, you've been nominated. Good graphic design. That's very specific. <laughs> but fair. 
That's fair. I've come up with a few. Um, uh, resting properly. Who, who agrees with me on that one? Resting properly, right? Simple, simple, right? How high can it be to rest? But it's so hard to do. Driving safely in Sydney, you'd expect it to be a simple thing, but it's very difficult to do. Uh, maybe asking somebody out. You know, who knows, right? Now, uh, if you are here uh, today, if you are joining us for the first time, whether online um, or, or in the chapel, uh, we're kind of, you've kind of come at a point where we're at the end of a particular series. We've been looking at um, praying to God, praying uh, God's Word back to Him, yeah? Um, our prayers being shaped by God's Word. And today, we are looking at the theme, the topic of praise, yeah, which is kind of very... Um, the timing has been, is, is, is perfect, given that we were able to sing today. But we're looking today at praise. And I want to suggest to you that praying pr- prayers of praise, say that ten times quickly, um, it's a simple thing, but it's definitely not easy. Yeah, it's a simple thing, but it's definitely not easy. Well, why? Why? Well, um, it's simple because of, you know, we've looked at a bunch of prayers that are from the Bible. Right? Over the past month, we've looked at a, a, a series of different prayers all across the Scriptures. And out of all the different topics we've looked at, I reckon for most of us, if you follow Jesus, praise, or at least the idea of praise, or praying praise, is probably the one that we're most familiar with. Right? Because there's a familiarity to, to praising God, right? right? We do it in our songs, as we were singing. We praise God um, each time we come to a service. Uh, as the service begins, we praise God and give thanks to Him when, when He answers our prayers. We praise God for loving us and setting us Jesus to be born, live, uh, die, rise in our, in our place for us. Right? If you have been a believer for any period of time, we heard it in the stories, right? testimonies. There is so much to praise God for. Endless reasons to praise God for. And so if we were to generalize, right, out of all the prayers that we've looked at, laments, confession, praying for power and boldness, last week praying for others, I think praise would be right up there in terms of familiarity, right? Simple, almost natural. But yet, as that saying we looked on the screen, it's not always easy. In fact, um, if you're anything like me, and if you've experienced anything of what I've experienced, it's actually a very, very difficult thing to be praying for. Why? Well, I want to suggest that there are at least a couple of reasons for it as we begin, right? One reason why praying prayers of praise is is, is a difficult thing is because praying prayers of praise, it's one of those prayers that isn't based necessarily on a circumstance. Does that make sense? It's not necessarily based on a circumstance. When we are praying for other people, yeah, it's often because they've asked us to pray for them. Or because we know something is happening in their life that, that, that drives us to pray for them. When we pray for boldness or for power, it's because there is a circumstance that has shown us that we are lacking in boldness or in power in some way. When we are praying prayers of confession, it's because we know that we have failed in some way or we are burdened by guilt and shame, and so we pray to God because of that. When we pray a prayer of lament, even though it's kind of still a little bit foreign, it's because we are at such a point of despair that we want to pray to God in this way. There are circumstances that lead us to pray these prayers. And so we are driven to pray deeply, to pray fervently because of what is immediately in front of us. But when it comes to praise, when good things happen in your life, in my life, we don't really respond in that same proportion, do we? We don't pray to that same proportion either. We might forget altogether. 
Maybe we'll give a short prayer of thanks. But praying prayers of praise, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's a difficult thing to do. Another reason why it's, well, it's a difficult thing is I think the Bible tells us, actually, it's a difficult thing, even though it's a little bit indirect. Right? Biblically speaking, right, have you noticed that we are repeatedly commanded to praise God all over the place? Right? Genesis to Revelation, we are commanded to give God praise over and over and over again. And I wonder, have you ever stopped to wonder why that might be the case? Why are there so many commands to praise God? Right, we're in the Psalms today. Why are there so many Psalms commanding us to praise God? I want to suggest that part of the reason is because while at one level, praising God, as you've said, is entirely natural, right? we've been saved, God's Spirit is working in us, or so on and so forth. Right? The reality is, though, that for the people of God, we need to be constantly and regularly reminded to praise God. We almost need to be commanded to praise God because without it, we probably wouldn't. See, even God's word, I want to say, suggests and sheds light that praising God through prayer is likely going to be an area for us where we are going to be tempted to be neglectful, where we have to fight to be diligent. And so it's a little bit condemning, but it, I think it is reality, if, if I can say that. We need prompts. We need reminders. We need to be commanded to remember to praise God. And so as we come to this topic of praying praises to God, we need to come sober-minded somewhat. It might be simple. It might even be natural to us at one level, but it's been a struggle for the people of God for all of history. Now, just to let you know, today's um, sermon, it's not going to be your normal sort of sermon where we kind of uh, focus in on a passage in its entirety. Today is a bit more of a topical sermon, right? Uh, thinking about praising God with our prayers, but we will be dipping in and out of Psalm 8. So keep your Bibles open, yeah? Um, and I just want to give you a little bit of a roadmap with where we're headed. We're going to have two points, yeah, two points. The first point is why praise God in prayer? The second point, how we grow in praising God in prayer. Yeah? How, uh, why, we, why praise God in prayer? How we grow in praising God in prayer. Uh, why don't you pray with me? And we'll get into it. Lord, our Lord, we want to join with the psalmist and sing and pray how majestic is your name in all the earth. We pray that as we come to your word, that it might do its work in us today. We ask that it would convict us. And especially today, that it would cause us to give you the praise that you deserve. Grow in us a desire to pray prayers of praise to you, for your honor, but also for our sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, friends, let's begin with our first point. Why? Why praise God in prayer? Why praise God in prayer? Have you ever wondered why God wants our praise? Yeah? Why does God want us to praise him? I wonder, could it be... Um, you know, that God just really likes being affirmed. Maybe you know the four, the, what is it, the, lo the, the love languages sort of book? Right? Maybe God just has a real love language for, for words of affirmation. And so, you know, uh, if he's feeling, a little bit he's feeling a little bit unloved until we compliment him on how great he is. Right? Is that what happens when we praise God through prayer or praise God in song? That we need to just say positives about Positive things about who he is, about his character, so that you know, he can get a bit of a top-up on how he's feeling for the day. Now, just to be very, very clear, I hope you know the answer is no. That's not it. And so if it's not that God needs his ego to be stroked, 
Why does God want us to pray praises to Him? Or to frame the question a little bit more specifically, what happens to us? What happens to us as we grow more familiar and more regular with praying praying praises to God? What happens to us? Uh, I want to look at three sub-points here, and there are many more we could look at, but for today, we're going to wrestle with three sub-points as to why. Yeah? The first sub-point is that it confirms our DNA. Second, it strengthens our spiritual health. And third, it reminds us of where we stand. Yeah? It confirms our DNA. It strengthens our spiritual health. It reminds us of where we stand. Um, let's um, look at our first sub-point. It confirms our DNA. Now, we see this in Psalm 8, don't we? Right? Have a read of verses 5 to 6 with me. What does it say? What does the psalmist say? You have made them, humanity, mankind, a little lower than the angels, and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. You see what the psalmist is saying? The psalmist is saying God has made us a certain way. He has designed us in a certain way that we have been given a DNA, an identity that comes from Him. And it's a royal identity, isn't it? So much of this psalm... Hopefully, as Jess was reading it out, it's like, oh man, that sounds a lot like Genesis. It sounds a lot like Genesis 1, where mankind was made in the image of God. And, and mankind was invited to rule the world under God. In fact, you know, verse 5, you see there, uh, you've made them a little lower than the angels. It's probably better to translate that not as angels, but, you, but as God, right? You, yet you've made him a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You see, God has given us a DNA. And there's a balance in that DNA. Because that DNA says to us that, hey, you have a royal identity. You have a royal identity. You rule. You reign. All that God has made. And at the same time, you are not gods. We are a little lower than God. We too are made. We are still created. We aren't gods. You see, in the language of Genesis 1, while mankind is the only creature in all of the universe to be made in God's image, at the end of the day, it's still just an image, isn't it? Just to extend the idea a little bit, God's the original. We are an image of Him. It's like He is the reality and we are the reflection. It's like He is sound and we are the echo. He is King, but we are servants who have been crowned by Him. See, we don't make ourselves, yeah? By design, our very DNA, our meaning, our existence, they all come from Him. And so we can say a lot more about that, but for now, why do we praise God in prayer? We praise God in prayer because even though we are crowned with glory, He's the one who crowns us. Even though we are made in the image of God, it is His resemblance that we bear. And so we praise God because it's a part of who we are. It's how we're made. It's our very DNA. But that's not all. It's not just that it's part of our DNA. We praise God in prayer because it also strengthens our spiritual health. Yeah, It also strengthens our spiritual health. Um, The person most helpful in terms of kind of developing this idea is a guy by the name of C.S. Lewis. He's written this really great little paper about why praising God is good for our spiritual health. And I recommend it to you because um, as he shares and as he writes, he speaks a lot about how... um, It was a real struggle for him to understand why a God who was loving would want to be regularly reminded that he's so great. There's something for him that was kind of like, that makes no sense. Why why does somebody want to be told that they're great over and over again? Surely they're not that great. 
But what C.S. Lewis came to realize, and this is what um, we need to begin to wrestle with today, what Lewis came to realize is that if we say something is great, just in general, right? Just in general, if we say something is great, it might be a person, it could be a book, it could be a piece of music, the latest TV series on Netflix, whatever it is, right? What are we really saying? What are we really saying about it? Aren't we saying to those who are here that if if they don't jump on this, they'll miss out? Aren't we saying to those who are here that they will actually be worse off from not, from not having whatever that is in their life? See, friends, whatever we are praising, whether there is an object, a person, a TV series, whatever it is, we do this for anything or anyone that we praise. And so when it comes to God, Lewis writes this, If God is the great object of admiration behind all other beauties and all other magnificence, right? If he is the great object of admiration behind all of that, then to praise and admire him would be simply to be awake, to have entered the real world. And if you don't do that, what's happening is that you just become far more profoundly crippled in your real life. Do you see what he's saying? Praising is all about declaring that you don't want to miss out on this. And so if God is the great object of admiration behind all other things that we praise, to not praise Him is to say that is, 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 is to be missing out. But that's not, only, that's not the only insight that he learned. See, not only did he, real, did he realize that to praise God was a reminder to ourselves and to those around us that it is us that lose out if we don't have God in our life, he realized one more thing, ready? Um, it's, it's, stick with me on this because it's... it's, it's I mean, he's a real brain, and so it requires a bit of thinking and wrestling. But here's his connected realization. He realized that when we praise, whenever we praise, it is an an entirely natural thing. It is an entirely instinctive thing that after you've enjoyed something truly, you actually begin to praise it. It's just an inevitable, instinctive sort of thing. It's like leaving a tap on while filling a cup of water. The water, if you leave the tap on long enough, if if you don't turn it off, the water will inevitably overflow when it is filled. And you know this, right? You know this. If you've been to an awesome concert and you've been filled up by it, you are telling people about it. If you've had an incredible bowl of fur and you've been filled up by it, you are telling people about it. If you've been promoted at work and you're ecstatic about it, you're telling people about it. This is is what Lewis says, right? Right? Um, And following on the screen, he says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. We delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. He's such a master of words, right? But what's that got to do with spiritual health? See, friends, if we aren't praising God regularly in our prayers, then what we've effectively done is we've turned off the tap. We've turned off the tap. We might know that God is loving. We might know that God is wise. We might know that God is great. We might know everything that He's done for us. But if you're not praising Him for those things in prayer regularly and often, what you've done is is you've turned the tap off. And you're worse off because of it. You're not living the vibrant life of praise in relationship with God as He's designed it to be. I mean, going back to those examples just before, if you've been to a concert and you're not telling people about it, it can't have been that great. If you've had a pretty average bowl of fur and you're not, you're not telling people about it, if you're pretty mer about your promotion, you're also not telling anybody about it. See, friends, 
If we aren't regularly overflowing in praise about God, to Him in prayer particularly, to change up Lewis's words slightly, we are not experiencing complete enjoyment of God. The appointed consummation that He wants for us, for our good, we are depriving ourselves. To put it another way, God wants us to share Himself. God wants to share Himself with us so much that He wants us to know Him. He wants us to have the joy of being in relationship with Him. He wants us to experience His love, His comfort so intimately. He wants all of that to be so vivid and full for us. He doesn't want impoverished sons and daughters. He wants us to experience all that we can have through Him, here and now, and until we are overflowing with praise of God. It's only then that our delight in Him is complete. And so He invites us to pray so that we might encounter the fullness of who He is. See, I don't think it's a coincidence, coming back to Psalm 8 for a sec, I don't think it's a coincidence that this psalm of praise starts by doing what? By praising, by declaring how majestic God's name is in all of the earth. And then the middle part from verses, the end of verse 1 through to the end of verse 8, it's all about, what is it doing? Um, it's giving reasons right, to explain why God is majestic in all the earth. And then, so by the time that he reaches the end of his prayer in verse 9, even though he ends with the exact same line that he began with, by declaring God's majesty in all the earth, we are actually fuller for it. One writer puts it like this, because of the poetry that is in the middle, that has intervened between the first line and the last, the phrase at the end sounds different. It becomes, because you've gone through that with him, it becomes more touching, it becomes more joyful. So we should pray praises to God because it confirms our DNA, it strengthens our spiritual health, and thirdly, and very briefly, it reminds us of where we stand. Yeah? It reminds us of where we stand. When David prays his prayer in Psalm 8 and praises how majestic God's name is in all the earth, what he's doing, what he's doing is he's making it clear whose side he's on. Yeah? His very praying and praising is a statement of where he stands, that he stands with God, not against him. He declares his allegiance with him, not against him. And in doing so, he dismisses all other gods and all other views of the world as illegitimate. Right? In verse 2, we see that God has enemies, he has foes, he has an avenger. We don't know who they are exactly, but David recognizes them as God's enemies and therefore they're his enemies. In verse 3, he declares that the moon and the stars are works of God's fingers. And as he does that, and as he says that, and as he prays that, he rejects everybody around him in the culture that worships the moon and the stars. When he praises God that God made mankind, he crowned mankind, he rejects any idea that mankind is somehow the sovereign center of the universe. Right? David's praises towards God are also a cry of rejection for anything and anybody and any view that oppose him. See, friends, to praise, to pray praise and engage in praise is to take sides. I don't know if you realize that. You are taking sides. You are declaring your allegiance. You are nailing your colors to the mast on the side of God. And so that's some of the reasons why we praise God in prayer. It's, it confirms who we are, our very DNA. It strengthens our spiritual health. And it reminds us of where we stand. And so the logical next question as we move to our second point is, well, how do we grow in praising God in prayer? If, if they're all the privileges, if they're all the benefits, if they're all the things that come from, from praying praises to God, 
If that happens in us, through us, and strengthens us, well, how do we, how do we grow in that? Right? And more specifically, how do we grow more familiar and more regular with praying pra- praises to God? Again, I think Simon has some wisdom for us, right? I want to focus on two suggestions to grow um, um, uh, so that we grow more familiar with regularly praying praises to God. The first suggestion is to look outwards, yeah, to look outwards. Um, read verse 1 and 3 with me again. Verse 1. You, God, uh, the second part of verse 1, you, God, have set your glories in the heavens. Verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars. Right? You can imagine what David is doing. David, the writer of the psalm, he's wandering out of his palace. Yeah? Pitch black night, cloudless dark night. He's looking to the heavens and he's just being struck by everything that he sees. I reckon all of us at one point or another have gone out into the night sky, maybe it's in a regional country town where you've gone out and you're just lying there and you're, and you're just amazed at the swarm of stars and the brightness of the moon. And it takes our breath away. On a cloudless night in Jerusalem, David would have seen anywhere between 2,000 to 3,000 stars in the night sky. So much of our world is a beautiful work of art. And yet, David knows that this beauty has a source. Right? See, David doesn't just doesn't say it's just heaven. We see David say it's your heavens. Right? It's not just any name David prays. It's your name that's majestic, David prays. It's not just some random chance that it's all there, David prays. It's the work of your fingers. It's what you, God, have set in place. See, David knows that he lives in God's world. That God's world is vast, it's grand, it's beautiful. And as he looks out, he draws pleasure and joy from what he sees. And he directs him to adore God and to praise God. Again, coming back to, to Lewis, he has this little book on prayer. And he talks about this practice. I'm trying to get a little bit practical. He talks about this practice of making every pleasure into a channel of adoration. Hey, making every pleasure into a channel of adoration. What does he mean? Well, for, for him, it's about identifying things that bring pleasure in God's good and ordered universe. It could be anything, right? It could be anything that brings wonder, anything that is glorious, and he uses whatever that thing is as a channel to adore God. Now, it's not just showing gratitude and giving thanks. Right? Gratitude doesn't quite make it to adoring and praising. Because, right, what's it? Gratitude. Gratitude is pretty much saying, God, how good of you to give this to me, whatever that thing is. Right? Gratitude is about giving thanks. But adoration goes a step further. Adoration asks, hey, not, not, just, not just I'm thankful for it, but what kind of God would create this? What kind of God would give this to me? Right? Gratitude is just about giving thanks, which is good, it's right, we should do that. But Adoration, praise, goes further. It directs the believer to turn to God, to consider God, to make much of God, to contemplate His nature, His character, His goodness to us. This is an active step, a further step from going from gratitude to praise. And that's what Lewis means. We want to, take, we want to make every pleasure into a channel for adoration. And so to learn to praise with our prayers... We need to look outwards more regularly, right? And we also need to learn to be regularly asking ourselves exactly that question there. What kind of God would create this? What quality of God would give something like this for me to enjoy? 
And so as you're sitting under the warmth of the sun, what kind of God would create something so life-giving, so life-enriching, so warmth-inducing? As you see the starry night sky, what kind of God would choose to light up the sky in that fashion so extravagantly? As you enjoy a wonderfully crafted piece of music, what kind of God would create this universal language that can change our moods, make us dance, or even meditate in silence? As you eat a deliciously prepared meal, what kind of God would give us thousands of taste buds to enjoy and savor each mouthful, to give such diversity and vibrancy in color and in flavor? What is it in God's good and ordered universe, I wonder for you, that compels you, directs you, and channels you towards marvel and wonder. Because as we look outward, if we have the eyes to see it and have the willingness to channel it into adoration as David does, the diversity and beauty in God's good world can direct us to pray praises to God thoughtfully, regularly, and meaningfully. So that's looking outwards. The second suggestion, and perhaps the more important suggestion, is not just to look outwards, but to look backwards. Yeah, to look backwards. Um, read verse 3 with me one more time. From verse 3. David writes, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Right? Given how vast creation is, given the number of stars in the sky, the number of billion galaxies in our universe, the thousands upon thousands of creatures on our planet, David is baffled and he goes, What is making you... Pay attention to me. Out of everything that you are holding, sustaining, creating, making, right? Why do you, cons- why do you show concern for me? I mean, I'm sure some of you know this, right? We apparently share 95% DNA with a chimp. We share 75% DNA with a mouse. We share 60% DNA with a chicken. And so when we consider everything that is in the, in the universe, why, why are we so special to God? What makes you so special to God? Because you are special to God. You, you, you are cared for by God. God is mindful of you. So what is it about you? It's not your DNA. It's not, it's not, it's not your 60% chicken DNA, that's for sure. From the standpoint of the size of the universe, we are smaller than a speck of dust. And yet God intimately cares for mankind. He cares for you. How does David know this? Well, it was from what we were talking about earlier. David goes to the Scriptures. David goes to Genesis, right? That's why he can pray in verses 4 to 8. You made them a little lower than the angels. You've crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers, right? You put everything under their feet. All fox, herds, animals of the wild, birds in the sky, fish in the sea. David looks back at Genesis. Why? Because he recalls by looking back who he is in God's sight. By looking back, he recalls that God made man to rule under God over creation. That as he looks back, he recalls that God blessed mankind as the pinnacle of his creation and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the skies, over every living creature that moves on the ground. He looks back and he recalls the dignity. God gives to mankind, the value that God gives to mankind, the crowning of glory and honor that God gives to mankind, and the joy of being invited to have real responsibility to rule under Him over all creation in God's economy. God chooses humanity to do that, and nobody else. 
And so David looks back at all of that. And he says, that's why I'm cared for. That's why I know my God. That's why I have a value and an identity and a meaning and a purpose and a, that, that will never be taken away. God has done this for humankind and no other. And so it's no wonder that he's driven to praise God, right? And he says again at the end of that, how majestic is your name and all that? He knows he doesn't deserve that. He knows it's got nothing to do with how amazing humans are. It's all to do with the fact that God has made man and woman in the image of God and has crowned them to rule under him in his world. And so he looks back. But friends, we have a far greater resource, don't we? When we look back. Because we don't only just look at... Um, we, we don't just look at creation. Now, when we think about why we are valued, when we think about how we are cherished, when we think about how we are loved, when we think about the dignity that we have, right? the priceless value that we have, we have an event to dwell on and to look back to that transcends even what happens in Genesis, that transcends everything that happens in the creation account, don't we? We have something that not only can we consider the heavens and the work of his fingers and the moon and the stars that he set in place, we also can consider his son, God's son, the work that he has completed for us on the cross, that salvation, not just the stars, the salvation that has been set in place because of him. When we go back to the cross, when we recall that, what is mankind? That God is mindful of you and I. What is mankind that he would care for us in that way that his son would die for us? See, not only did he make us a little lower than God and crowned us at creation with glory and honor, he has also, in Jesus, He has restored our fallen glory. He has restored our cracked crowns. And He has brought us back to glory and honor with Him because of what He came to do that first Christmas. And because Jesus, our brother, our very flesh and blood, sits on the throne of God reigning, He says to us, we too will be brought to glory to rule and reign on the earth with Him. It's extraordinary. And so as we come to a close... Right? We are looking back. We are looking out, yes, but we are also looking back at the cross, the good news of Jesus, because it's when we do, we will see our true value, we will see our true dignity, our true glory, that it sees anything that we can create for ourselves. And we will see how much God is concerned and cares for us, that it sees any other source of concern and care that we can find, so that we may regularly and deeply praise His name forevermore. I pray with me. Father God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Father, we thank you that you indeed want us to praise you, not for your sake, not because you, 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 you are lacking in some way without it. You want our praise for our good. You want us to delight in you. You want us to come to you. You want us to know you and encounter you in all your fullness. And so, Father, I pray that you would be helping us see the things that are beyond us, that are outside of us, that might be ways that we can think of you and remind ourselves of you. I pray that we might be regularly going back to the cross, that we would be sinking deep and plumbing into the depths of what you did for us at the cross so that we might naturally and inevitably and wanting to overflow in praise for who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you that in Jesus we are crowned again with glory and honor. 
Thank you in Jesus we have true value, true dignity, and we will reign with you forever. Help us to praise you and praise your name forevermore. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.